Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Janelle B. Stewart podcast. I am your host, Janelle B. Stewart, an award-winning beauty editor. The Janelle B. Stewart podcast is a weekly lifestyle podcast designed to educate, empower, and engage. Episodes touch on various topics of our lives, including health and fitness, love and marriage, entrepreneurship, parenting, self-love, and much more. My goal is to have you feeling uplifted and inspired after you listen to each episode. Welcome to episode 22. If you missed last week's episode 21, then you missed a good one. I had a wonderful co-host, one of my best friends from college. Her name is Candace, but I call her Sully. And we talked a little bit about being a super hot mom, being a great mom, being a super hot wife, our trials and tribulations and struggles around getting pregnant, family planning, We talked about our miscarriages. We talked a little bit about our relationships with our husbands and how we keep the love alive. So if you are looking for something like that and you think you would benefit from that information, do check out episode 21. So for this episode, let's talk about what's going on. So my weekend was spent in Chicago and I had so much fun. I went there alone. I did not go with the hubby. I did not go with the kids. And I honestly wanted to just have like a moment with my family, I guess you could say, without my family. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like when you have two small children, if your family goes with you to visit family, then you don't get to really turn up and like have as much fun as you normally would. And I guess that's like if you go anywhere with your family, especially if you have kids. I just wanted to go to the wedding and have a great time and not have to worry about my children who love weddings and love to have fun. But whenever you're with the kids, it's just a lot of like keeping them in line. You know, they get to be free and have fun and meet their family as well. But a lot of it is just keeping them in line. And I really didn't want to do that. So I went by myself and I met up with my mom there. My cousin was getting married. My mom's sister, one of her younger sisters, her sister's son. So he was getting married and it was a great time. I arrived in Chicago on Thursday and the wedding was on Friday, which was really unique. I don't think I've ever been to a wedding on Friday, but hey, it is what it is. I'm going to assume that they had good reason for it. It was probably less expensive to have a wedding on a Friday, I would assume, just because most people want to have it on a Wednesday or maybe they really wanted that venue and they weren't available the Saturday that they wanted. I'm not sure. I didn't ask, but I just showed up, right? I showed up and I was ready to turn up. So I arrived on Thursday, was able to kiki and kick it with my family, my mom and her sisters. On Friday was the wedding and it was so much fun. I had a good time. I love weddings. I really, really do. I enjoy going to weddings more now as an adult than I really did as a child. So when I go, I get to turn up with my family and I'm like the life of the party. I love to have fun. I love to get turned up. I love to get lit, you know? And so I just want to talk quickly about one thing during the wedding because (laughs) I can't get this out of my mind. So my cousin who was getting married, one of his older brothers was so turned during the wedding. There was a point in the wedding where he started to cry. Now, let me set the scene a little bit. My aunt was the pastor for the wedding. She was also the pastor for my wedding, which is really cool because it's like she marries like all of us. And she started to preach and she's preaching a very powerful sermon that I think most of us could really feel, right? But all of a sudden, my cousin starts crying like serious crying, not like a tear because he's happy, like (laughs) boo-hoeing. And then when she would like say something that would really touch him, he would be like, yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) And 
it was loud. It was so loud. Most of us were looking at him. I think everybody was looking at him like, what is going on? Because he was so loud. It was so funny. A certain point, his mom like made him sit down. My aunt, her faces will have you on the floor. She was just like, what is wrong with you? And, you know, it was hilarious. But the wedding was great. They had a great interpretive dancer, which was so, she was really good. She was powerful in her dancing, which reminds me, I have a few songs that I have to look up on iTunes because the songs during the wedding were really nice. Like, I need the wedding playlist. I need the playlist for the wedding, okay? Because it was really, really good. What was actually really nice was that the wedding itself was in the same venue as the reception. I've not had this before, where you literally leave one room and you walk over to the other and you don't have to like drive somewhere else. I've been to weddings where you have to drive far away and then some that are a little bit closer. So for example, my wedding, my wedding was in a resort and at a hotel in in Miami, we had the wedding on the beach and then we had the cocktail hour on the patio and then you walked a little bit further and then you had the wedding reception inside the hotel. But that's not like common. Most of the time, you know, weddings are so distant from where the reception is. So it was great to be able to just walk over to the other room and have the reception be right there. So the reception was nice. I got my first experience with some Chicago music. It sounded like not exactly like techno, but kind of like old school hip hop. If you ever heard the song Percolator, apparently that's a Chicago song. So if you've ever heard that song Percolator, then that's Chicago music and a lot of the songs kind of sound like that like that up-tempo hip-hop dance kind of pop beat all in one and it was really fun to see the people who live in Chicago such as my cousin's friends and his wife's friends dance to the music because it was definitely unique for me but I enjoyed it and it was open bar the whole night can someone say yes tequila sunrise on tap margaritas on tap sex on the beaches on tap (laughs) I put so many people on to tequila sunrise it was ridiculous people was like what's that I was like tequila sunrise and then everybody was getting it and everybody was turned from those drinks it was good I will say I wasn't really happy with the catering, but I ain't going to talk about the catering out here because if my cousin listens to this podcast, I don't want him to be like, wow, that's how you going to do me, fam. So I'm going to say I wasn't happy with the food. However, I ate it. I ate it all and I enjoyed the company. That was what was most important. So after the wedding, the next day in true Liberian culture, we tend to always have like what we call a cookout or a barbecue. But, you know, it's November. It's cold. It's Chicago. Ain't nobody was trying to go outside. And it was raining. So that didn't happen. But we did have food indoors. And a lot of people came over, mainly like intimate people, like the close, close family came over to my aunt's house. And a few friends from my cousin's wife showed up. And we ate. And we had a good time. And we had some really good conversation. One of my cousin's sister's friends And my cousin's sister, her name is Precious. We grew up together when I was up to about maybe five years old. And then my mom relocated from Chicago. So many of you may not have known that, but I actually did live in Chicago for a few years of my life when I was much, much younger. My cousin Precious's friend Aisha and her mom Gloria were there. And we were getting into all types of conversations. We started talking about hair, natural hair. I think natural hair and the conversation around natural hair often comes up when people are around me. One, because obviously I wear my hair natural. So even if you don't know what I do or what business I'm in, my hair is always a conversation starter because most people who don't see natural hair often talk about it. And even if you have natural hair and you see it regularly, it's a conversation starter because I wear it big. I wear big twist outs most of the time and my hair looks good. Yes, it looks good, honey. So that's why my hair tends to be a conversation starter. But then additionally, if you are familiar with my line of work, like my cousin said that she tells everybody about me and she's really proud of me. So most people who met me kind of knew already a little bit about what I do. So that's obviously a conversation starter because people want prescription like, girl, how can I get my hair to do this? How can I get my hair to grow long? How can I get my hair to look like yours? Blah, blah. How can I get my daughter's hair to grow long like your daughter's? So we end up talking about natural hair around me often. And then we moved from hair.
compare talk to drinking and drugs. <laughs> now, I don't do drugs, but I do know people who smoke a little bit. And we were talking about drug tests and working for the government because Gloria works for the government and other people who took examinations and like were clearly using drugs but thought they could pass somehow. We went into conversations about love and marriage. You know, Aisha, my cousin's friend, has been married for a long time, similar to me. I've been married for a long time. I've been married over seven years now. And Gloria, her mother, Aisha's mom, had been married for like 32 years and she divorced her husband. So we talked a little bit about that. And my cousin has just recently gone through a breakup and we talked a little bit about that. And I'm a lover, you know, I'm Miss Positive. I'm always thinking positively. So the conversation around me tends to always be positive. Like, how can you work things out? And if you don't work things out, what do you learn from this experience? How can you be a better person? And what are things you should avoid doing in your relationship? So conversation was good. And then in the evening, my good friend, Rachel Odom, she lives in Chicago. So I definitely reached out to her, let her know, girl, I'm in your town. And if she could come over, she would. And she did. I had a great time. We chatted about stuff, relationships, work, you know, kids. That's what we do when we get together. And it was a great conversation. She was over till about midnight from like maybe 9.45 till about midnight. So I had good conversation with her and I was so happy to see her. And if you don't know Rachel Odom, then probably you're not in the natural hair community. And even if you're not in the natural hair community, but if you remember, I did a mom to mom tour. I did that tour with Rachel Odom. So definitely check her out. But I ended up coming home on Sunday and had a warm welcoming from my kids. They were so happy to see me, especially my little Elle. Elle and I have a very, very intimate relationship. She doesn't like to be without me. So every day when I called and did FaceTime, she would cry. She wanted me to come home. She didn't want me to like be there anymore. So it was really great when I got home and everyone was so excited to see me. I really, really loved the welcoming that I got from my children and also from my husband who always makes me feel greatly appreciated when I come back because he knows that it's hard doing what I do when I'm gone. He has to hold down the fort. And speaking of which, I always think it's funny when people ask me like, who's babysitting the kids? I have a very unique way of thinking about my husband's role when he's taking care of our children when I'm not around. And I don't consider him babysitting when I'm not there because he's their father. And, you know, if my husband was somewhere else, I don't think anyone would ever ask him if he was out alone, who's babysitting your kids. They would assume, you know, they're with mom. You know, maybe they might say, is Janelle with the kids or is Janelle home? What are the kids and Janelle doing? You know, something like that. But I don't feel like anyone ever considers me a babysitter of my kids when my husband's not around. So when I get asked often, like, who's babysitting the kids? I always find it interesting to me because it's kind of like offensive. Like, if I'm not with them, then it means they're being babysat. And that's just kind of like rude, right? You know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? How do you feel about people referring to your partner or their children being with their dad as being babysat, right? What do you think about that? Let's move into the main topic for today. I wanted to have a conversation with you all about something that may make you somewhat uncomfortable. And I think it might be something that many of us will have very strong opinions on for sure. I wanted to talk with you today about when is it appropriate to talk with your kids about sex? Now, I've had this thought in my mind many times as I've been raising my children, and I think I've even thought about when it would be appropriate to talk about sex to my children before I had children. And partly why I think this conversation is something that I think about a lot is because I was very promiscuous as a teenager, and I had many partners, you know, in my lifetime, and my parents pretty much raised me to think that, you know, you can't have sex before marriage. And they weren't like examples of that at all. My mom and my dad were both not married. My dad had several children before I was even born. And none of my mom's children are by her husband. You know what I'm saying? So it was always one of those weird rules that my parents and my family believed in and forced on us as children, even though none of them were really living examples of 
what they were asking us to do. And I didn't have the type of relationship with my parents where they felt comfortable to talk with me about sex. So the conversations um, never really went there. We didn't really talk about it at all. And as a result, I went out and did a lot of discovery on my own. So I had to talk recently with my family when I was in Chicago about, you know, having the sexual talk with your kids. And it made everyone very uncomfortable. Like everyone was kind of squeamish. Everyone didn't really know how to approach this subject. And it was very clear and obvious that even though these people were in their 50s and 60s, you know, this is my mom and her sisters, they still were uncomfortable talking about sex, even with me. And I'm in my 30s. But because of how they view me as a child, it was very weird for them. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about my children and how we've talked with them about sex and I still kind of am unsure about some things and how to move forward with the conversation in some capacities and I would just love to get feedback from you all about that because my son is going to be six in a month he's going to be six in December and my daughter is three and I just kind of feel like waiting until Middle school is way too late. It was too late for me. You know, I was, like I said, I was promiscuous. So anyway, my daughter and my son don't bathe together and in the tub at the same time. They don't take a bath and now shower because they're older and taller. They don't take a shower at the same time and they never did. But they are in the bathroom together for a period of time where they are seeing each other nude. And they're still kids, you know, we started doing this when Elle was born. When Elle was born, Joelle was already a little over two. To this day, they still do it. So there was a point in time, I want to say earlier this year, 2017, where my daughter's curiosity for her brother's genitalia was budding. And it was interesting to me because he didn't have the same curiosity about her, even though he's older. But her curiosity for his genitalia was budding and she touched his penis and um, I was there. So I saw it happen and I didn't like overreact. And I think partly why I am so comfortable, I guess, with sexuality and with sex talking with sex talk and with that interaction with my children is because when I was a teenager, I ended up going and becoming a sex counselor, I guess you could call it. I worked at a children's council where they focused on educating children, youth, teenagers, and young adults about how to practice safe sex, abstinence, drug prevention, and sexual health. And so through that experience, I was about 14 years old and it was a summer working program. That was like my first job. There were other children there working who were my age or older and we would learn a lot about sex we would learn a lot about sexual health sexually transmitted diseases condoms and other forms of contraception we would learn about the different scenarios that children can get in children our age at that time could get into that would make us not use our best judgment and we would have to act these out kind of like an improv with some level of practice behind it but we would basically do these skits And then we would go into the communities, to the group homes throughout the weeks, and we would perform these skits for them, letting them see and also, you know, have fun and get the information about how to practice safe sex and how to avoid being in a compromising situation through our skits. We would do all types of things. We would do things that were borderline being pressured into having sex and how to say no and sometimes even have scenarios where we talked about someone who was sharing an account. Most likely she was raped, you know, without giving consent. We talked a lot about consent and we talked a lot about if you, you know, going to have sex, how to use a condom. We would actually demonstrate how to use the condom, how to put it on properly so that children who were most likely having sex and engaged in sexual activity could be educated because that was our core audience is if you're not having sex and you plan on having sex, do it safely. If you are not having sex and you want to continue not having sex, you can maintain a 
celibate lifestyle or if you had sex and you don't want to have it anymore, you can go abstinent. And if you are going to continue having sex and you're, if you're having sex and you're going to continue having sex, this is how you do it safely. And from there, if you're sexually active, how do you protect yourself? How do you make sure that your sexual health is on point? you know, and the sexual health of other people. So that experience in that job, I think obviously desensitized me to sex and it didn't expose me to sex because I was already promiscuous, but it did open me up to understanding consent, making better educated decisions, how to avoid being in a compromising situation. And if I was put in that position, how to be comfortable and confidently say no. So with that being said, my daughter touched my son's penis and I wasn't like, I didn't overreact because it was clearly not sexual. Like this was all about discovery. She was just like, what is that sticking between your legs? Like, I don't have that. What is that? And it was very clear (laughs) that that's what Elle was going through. So when that happened, I realized that it was time to explain a little bit of stuff to them. And at first I used to use the words like privacy to talk to my children about their genitalia, I would say that's your privacy. Nobody's supposed to touch your privacy. And I would also share with them that our privacies are different. You know, I had that conversation, but I did want to take the conversation to a more scientific level. And I felt like not make it so baby and like wishy-washy. And I've also listened to many things that say, Children should know the names of their anatomy and genitalia, and we shouldn't teach them to say, you know, words that are not real because then it becomes confusing if they're ever encountered with the word, you know, where they're just like not really sure about it. And I've also heard things, maybe podcasts, maybe maybe radio or something else, maybe a video, you know, where children who didn't know the names of their private parts were coerced into letting people who were disgusting people touch them because they said, oh, I'm not touching that. I'm going to touch this. And they used the real word and the child wasn't familiar. So I wanted my children to be educated. So I wasn't sure exactly how to go about having the conversation with them, how to talk about like, you know, you have a penis and you have a vagina. I wasn't really sure how to do that. So I decided to go to the library and I checked out two books because I wanted to get child-friendly pictures to have this conversation with them. And at the time, my son was five and my daughter was three. And that's their ages now because this was just earlier this year. So I checked out two books and I will put links in the description area for this podcast so that you can check out the books that I got. But the first book was Where Do Babies Come From? And this book was really cool in that it talked about all types of babies, not just human babies, but animal babies as well. Through this book, I was able to talk with my children about all the different body parts that we have as humans, but also how some animals have similar body parts to us and how different animals have different body parts from us. And then also where babies come from as humans, how they grow in the bit in the belly and how for other animals, they may also grow in their mommy's bellies, but for other animals, they might grow in eggs and so on, like eggs that grow outside the body, unlike eggs that grow inside the body. So that book was really cool in that it really made it appropriate for children. You know, this is where babies come from and talk a little bit about genitalia as well. And then the other book was called Who Has What? All about girls' bodies and boys' bodies. And I will, like I said, link both of these books below. But I really, really, really loved this book because it went even further. It was very specific about our anatomy and our genitalia. And the book has really nice pictures and it's a creative storyline. There's a family of four, a mom and a dad and a daughter and a son. And it was very reminiscent of our family, which was really cool for me because we are a family of four. And in the story, the older sibling is a boy, like my family, and the younger sibling is a girl. So it was very reminiscent of what my children are familiar with. And regardless of if your family is identical to mine, a family of four in the way that we're broken up or a smaller family or a larger family, it doesn't really matter. I just recognize that because that was something that I could say, hey, they have a mom and a dad and a brother and a sister just like we do. So I was able to relate them to that. The pictures are really beautiful and the storyline is they're going to the 
the beach. They're talking about their bodies and they're talking about how everything has a body. And when they get to the beach, they start talking about how they have to protect their bodies and things like that. And then at some point, I don't really remember exactly how it transitions into the different genitalia we have because I don't have the book on hand. But at some point, it transitions from, you know, that conversation about protecting our bodies and then it goes into our body parts and it actually has pictures so you can see what a male penis looks like what a boy penis looks like and then it also makes the analogy with animal um, penises like it talks about how a dog has a penis too and the same thing with the vagina it does the same for a baby and for a woman and it shows it but it's in very childlike friendly photos and I wasn't squeamish at all because like I said I have had exposure to talking about sex in a way that was very um, practical. You know, I'd done it for a summer and all my life I've kind of talked about sex in that way. Like it doesn't make me uncomfortable. So it was very easy for me to point out the different body parts to my children and not feel weirded out by the whole thing. And I think the book also helps with that because if you, for example, are very uncomfortable listening to me right now and you're like, Janelle, oh my God, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, if that's you and you're like, you can't even take it right now, I promise you the book makes it a lot easier. And because my children are so young, there's no taboo around sex. And, you know, your children might be a little older and if you decide that you're ready to approach the topic and they're already older and they're already familiar with a lot of the things that I'm talking about, you know, they already know the body parts, maybe they even know the names, they probably even know about sex and it might be weird, you know, they might be squeamish because it's like, I'm talking about this with my mom, I'm talking about this with my dad, like nobody wants to do that, right? But it's better you do it and they get the correct information from you than from the street, like that's my big thing. So in addition to the genitalia, it also talks about the parts of the body on the inside. And for men on the outside, it talks about the scrotum. It talks about the uterus. It talks about breasts and how everyone has breasts, even men and animals. And it talks about how our breasts are different and some of the different purposes of our breasts. And I tried to relate every single thing back to me because my children love me and they can't sexualize me right now at this point. I don't think they ever will really, but you know, I was able to explain to my children the differences in our bodies by giving them examples on me and on themselves. And then I was quizzing them, you know, like who has a scrotum? And they would say like, Joel, or he'd say me, you know, who has a uterus and they would say L or me. And then same, you know, thing with the other body parts, who has breasts and they both say me. And I'm like, yes, you both do, you know, that kind of thing. So I really liked the second book that I got. And the first book is great too, because like I said, it just normalizes the conversation about babies, you know, like we're not the only one that have babies, all babies, all animals have babies. So I really liked it. And then from there, there wasn't any mystery to either of them about, you know, what is that? And we were able to have the conversation about internal organs and external organs. So that explained, you know, why her brother's penises, she can see it and she can touch it, but her vagina is a very unique, unique looking thing comparison to her brother. It's on the inside. So, you know, I didn't want their anatomy to be a secret. And I knew I was going to talk about it at some point, but, you know, Elle kind of like pushed it forward, like by touching her brother's penis that it was clear she wanted to know. And it probably would be better for me to talk about it with them than for she to want to touch him and him not be comfortable with that. And it was also a great way for me to explain to them that, you know, you can't touch your brother's penis. And you can't do that. That's not something that you should do because it's his body. And you should always ask for permission before you touch someone's body. But there's parts of our body that we shouldn't be touching at all right now. You know, so your brother's penis is one of them. You should not be touching it. And your sister's vagina is one of them. You should not touch her vagina. And you shouldn't touch anyone's vagina for that matter. And likewise with the penis. And these are her breasts and you shouldn't touch her breasts, you know, and explaining how they're used to a certain degree. Obviously, I'm not like, you know, talking about sex and in a perverted way with my children because they have to learn about their bodies. There's no secret. Our bodies are not gross. 
our bodies are our bodies and they should know what they are and they should know their names. And then after I did have that conversation with them about it, I spoke with the daycare so that the daycare would know just in case they decided they wanted to talk about how, you know, show off how smart they were. You never know. I didn't want them to start talking about penises and vaginas and then the teachers like, what is going on? And thinking that there's a problem at home because kids can be over-sexualized and be very comfortable talking and doing things in public that they shouldn't. So that was that. And what I wanted to do, some other things that I want to mention about sex and sexuality with my kids specifically is there was a time when I saw my son touching himself and you could tell he was doing it in a curious way and he wasn't afraid because I've not made them to feel like their bodies are, you know, something that they should hide. So when I saw him, he didn't go, (gasps) you know, he wasn't shocked. I think like if this was an older child and we had not had the sex conversation and then he saw he got caught playing with his penis or touching it, then I think he would probably have reacted that way, but he didn't. So I was like, hey, what are you looking at over there? And he was like, my penis, my son is circumcised. And he was like pulling the skin back and trying to look through the hole. And I was like, oh, what's it doing? And he was like, there's a hole in there. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, there is a hole in there. And he was like, I'm trying to see in the hole. And I was like, I don't think you're going to see much because it's just muscle, you know, muscle and nerves. And he was like, what's muscle? What's nerves? And then I was able to explain to him what that was, you know, and I then told him, you know, that's where your pee comes from when you pee, that it comes from that hole, you know, and I talked to him about how we talked a little bit about, we. Re- I reviewed some of the things we talked about from the book, and then I made sure to have this conversation with him because what I didn't want to do was, I didn't want to have children that were so comfortable with their bodies that they weren't aware of, you know, appropriateness. And the worst thing that can happen is your son is like, you know, well, mom's cool with me touching my penis wherever I'm at, you know, when she's around. So I can do this anywhere, you know, public places or whatever, you know, when I'm with family and sleeping over their houses and whatnot. So I did say to him, I said, you know, right now you're in the bathroom and I noticed you're looking at your penis and that's totally fine. Please make sure that if ever you want to continue looking at your penis or you're looking to see what's going on with your penis, that you do that when you're in a private space like the bathroom with the door closed or, you know, like in your room with the door closed because, you know, you're allowed to look at your body and examine your body, but it's not something that anyone else should see you doing, you know? So I don't want you to be doing that in a place where it's inappropriate. And we talked about different places. So I said, if you're in the bathroom at school, should you be examining your penis? And he said, no. I said, yep, you're right. No, you shouldn't be doing that in the bathroom at school. And of course, publicly at school, you know, out in the open, we never want to do something like that with our penis because that's your privacy. And only you should see that, you know? You know, mommy gets to see it and daddy gets to see it because yeah, we're taking care of you. But, you know, no one should be seeing your penis and no one should ever be touching it in a way that makes you uncomfortable. Even me, even daddy, we should never touch your penis in a way that's uncomfortable for you and, you know, in a way that is inappropriate for you. So, you know, we had that talk in that discussion because I didn't want him to be inappropriate. And I can't remember exactly like every single detail of what I said, but it was pretty much along the lines of that. I also want to talk a little bit about an experience that I had with my daughter, similarly to my son in the bathroom, you know, coming in and he's, you know, checking out his penis to see what's going on in that hole in there, (laughs) that random hole in the penis. I mentioned that Elle is always with me and she likes to be always up under me. So there was a time where I was in the bathroom and I was going through my menstrual cycle and Elle was in the bathroom with me and not thinking anything about it because, you know, I've been having my, my period forever. So I just swiped myself and I had on a pad or a liner, I think. And Elle was like, mommy, what's that? Like she was so shocked and maybe a little bit afraid, maybe because, I mean, if you see blood coming out of your mother's panties or in your mother's panties, or if she wipes blood away, 
you're thinking like she's hurt, right? Like that's your initial reaction. You don't know what's going on. So I had to have this conversation with, you know, my three-year-old daughter about what was happening to me. And I felt like I wasn't necessarily prepared to talk about it in a way that wasn't honest and like direct. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have any thoughts about how to explain what was happening to me other than just saying it. So I said, I'm on my period. And this is something that all women and sometimes young girls will experience when their bodies are changing. And I said, so every month, some blood comes out of my body. And, you know, she had actually asked me, you know, why I was wearing a pamper, I think. (laughs) I think that's what she said. You know, I don't remember the whole conversation because obviously as it was a while ago and she was interjecting as I was saying things because she was like, why do you have on a pamper? And I told her, you know, I wear the pamper, which is called uh, a pad so that I don't get the blood in my panties because it will ruin my panties and it will ruin my clothes. She was asking me like something along the lines of when am I going to have that or am I going to have blood too? Yeah, I think that's how she said it because that sounds like L. Am I going to have blood too? And I said, you will have blood too. You will have your period too, but it's not going to be for a little while. Sometimes it can be, you know, when you're 11 years old, that's when mommy's first saw blood. And some people it's a little bit older and some people it's a little bit younger. So right now you don't have to worry about it. But when you do have blood, me and you are going to go and we're going to get you some pads so that you can protect your clothes too. And that was really it. And now, you know, if I'm ever on my period, she doesn't say anything else. She doesn't. She she knows what it is. I can't remember her ever saying anything else again. I will say that I do make more of a conscious effort when I'm on my period to make sure that she's not with me in the bathroom because that was a really awkward situation. And it wasn't uncomfortable to talk about. It's just that I hadn't thought about it. You know, I definitely thought about talking with them about sex. I did, but I didn't think about talking with my daughter about my period and about having blood in my panties. I did think about talking with her about it when she was coming of age. You know, I wasn't sure what that age would be, but maybe like eight years old, nine years old, because I know that some people have reported getting their period much sooner. You know, I'm just going to go with maybe like eight or nine years old because I would anticipate that if at that time she didn't have her period, it could come anytime. I thought about that, but I never thought that I would have to talk with her about my period at three years old. I never did. If you currently have a child who is never experienced you while you were on your period or had any type of experience where they were privy to see your menstrual cycle, you know, the blood of it. If you haven't had that, I want you to think about what you would probably say to them if they experienced it, you know. I also had to have the conversation with Joelle because a similar thing had happened, but because I had had it with Elle, I was fine. I was very confident in what I was talking about. And then, you know, he was like, oh, okay, whatever. (laughs) No big deal. So it was really easy to like have the conversation. But I want you to think about that. Like if you were to have the conversation with your child, if they saw right now, what would you say? What would you do? And same thing, if you, you know, walk in with your child and they're touching themselves, your daughter, your son, whatever, what would you do? What would you say? And if you already have had this experience, I would love, 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 love for you to share with me what you did. I would love to hear it. You can send me an email at podcast at JanelleBStewart.com. Or of course, you can tweet me on Twitter at JanelleBStewart. I would love to know what you did. Before I end, you know, this segment, I want to just say that I want for my children to not feel like sex is like a bad thing because I don't believe it is. I'm definitely not going to do what my parents did by making me feel like we can't talk about sex and sex is supposed to be only for marriage because they didn't live like that. I didn't live like that. So I feel like it's very hypocritical to expect 
my children to live like that. Although I am Christian and I believe in God's word and I will definitely tell my children what the Bible says about sex and saving sex for marriage, but I'm not going to allow that to keep me from having the conversation around sex. And I know I kind of just said I was about to end, but I just thought about something that I really need to get out of my system because this is important to me. And I've talked about this with my husband, you know, neither my husband nor I saved ourselves for each other when we got married seven years ago. And, you know, we both agree that it's probably unlikely that our children will do the same, but we will raise them to know that when you do have sex, it is on your own terms. And that is an important message that we want them to have. When you have sex, it is on your own terms. And I'm not exactly sure like how I'm going to have this conversation with them. I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to have it with them, but I do know that I want to be the first person that talks with them about intercourse sex. I want to be the first person who explains to my children that the male's penis was, you know, created partly to produce children. And in order to produce children, there has to be intercourse. I want my children to know that, that there has to be sex and what happens during the process of sex and how that creates a baby. I found out in school. I don't want them to find out in school. I want them to find out from me and then they can go to school and have it be a refresher or a supplement. But I want them to find out from me. And I also don't want the conversation around sex to just be so scientific, you know, Maybe not the first conversation when they're like 10 or whatever. I don't know when I'm going to have it, but let's just say I have it at, I have that conversation at 10. I don't want that first conversation to be necessarily about the satisfaction of sex, more so just the science of it. But I do know that at some point, maybe when they're a tween, I don't know, 12 maybe, or a teenager, 13, I'm not sure when, and I would love for feedback on this. You know, I probably need to find a sex therapist or a sex counselor who can help me figure this out and help us figure this out. If that's something that you would like, definitely let me know. You know, tweet me at Janelle B. Stewart or um, email me or whatever. And let me know if you think that would be a good idea because I can obviously get in touch with someone and not have them as a guest on the podcast. But I'm thinking about having them as a guest on the podcast because I don't want for sex to be made to be seen like it's horrible thing, you know, because it isn't. I love sex. I enjoy sex and most people do. And it's natural to enjoy sex and have fun having sex and like it. And I want my children to in some way know that sex is not like a bad thing. You know, I don't plan on being gross about it, right? I'm not going to be inappropriate. I don't want to be inappropriate, right? So I'm not going to talk with my daughter and my son and be like, oh my goodness, sex feels so good. I'm not going to do that, right? That's gross. That's that's disgusting. I'm not going to do that with my kids. But I don't want to make it seem like sex is not supposed to be pleasurable. I don't want to do that for my children. I don't want the type of daughter who ends up having sex with men and feels like it's supposed to be uncomfortable and it's supposed to be painful and it's supposed to, you know, not be satisfying. I don't know how to have this conversation, but I'm saying it to you that I want to have the conversation. So I kind of feel like I have to keep saying that because I don't want for, you know, a sound bite from what I'm saying right now to go out into the universe and to come across as, you know, oh, Janelle's going to raise like, you know, kids that are going to be like sexual and stuff because that's not the point. And I have to be careful because I don't know who's listening. Could be my family, (laughs) could be my family listening or whatever. I will make sure to mark this episode explicit, I suppose, just so I guess young people don't come across it. I don't know what ages listen to me. I'm going to assume they're older, but you never know. You know, I say my daughter because I'm a woman and it's easier for me to think like a woman, but I would want to have the same conversation with my son too, that sex is pleasurable. And of course, with the conversation about consent with him and letting him know and her know that, you know, you have to want it. Both people have to want it. It's not about you being forced into a situation or being coerced or being tricked into it or being manipulated. You have to want it. And likewise, your partner has to want it. Not because, you know, only girls get raped, but boys get raped too. And I want for both of them to understand that when you're with someone who you love, who loves you, who respects you, 
who cares for you and who is not taking advantage of you because they're in a position of power or they're in a position where they're older. You're not really able to consent, you know, because of your age or the situation at hand because maybe you're, you know, intoxicated or whatever. Like I want to just have all this conversation with them, but to know that when you're, when you're older and you're at an age where you should be having sex because you're, you're, you've, you're, you can make an an educated decision around it, that it's okay to have sex and it should be something that both of you enjoy. I guess that's really where I'm trying to go. It's a subject that I'm passionate about. If you can't tell already, I'm really passionate about it because I just felt like I was just not given enough information about sex and made a lot of decisions around sex that if I had had more information and education, I probably wouldn't have. I want to be able to also talk about sexual health with my kids because that is very important. And as a teenager, I actually had many sexually transmitted diseases. And I know a lot of people that did too. And I know a lot of you who are listening here today have experienced that too and may still be experiencing some effects from that. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about sexual health in my Get Well with Janelle segment. Now it's time for my Get Well with Janelle segment. This is my wellness segment where I share with you some advice or some tips or something to help you get well and live a better life. Health and wellness is really important to me and I've created a workbook and this workbook is called my Healthy Living Workbook and this workbook was my way of supporting everyone who's been asking me for help on how to lose weight. In the workbook, I have three different sections and each section goes along with a podcast. So as you listen to the podcast, you get the support you need in the workbook. And I talk about how to lose 100 pounds in one of the sections. And I talk about my diet as a vegan. And I give you lots of tips and advice on how to make your health experience and your wellness journey a family affair and how you really can't do this alone. And that's how I was able to become successful at it because I was making sure everyone in my family was eating healthy, which is better for everyone, of course, because why should they have to get healthy if you can teach them how to live and be healthy? You can get the podcast workbook on JanelleVStewart.com. And when you do so, you're supporting this podcast. The podcast workbook is only $9.99 and you can get it at a discount by using code podcast at checkout. So next month, December is AIDS Awareness Month. And I find that a lot of people are not necessarily as open with talking about their sexual health and also when selecting partners, talking about their sexual history. And I wonder a few things. I have a few questions that I want to ask you, and I want you to answer this to yourself, of course. Do you ever ask about the sexual history of a new partner? And if you said no, I want to know why not. Next, I want to know, when having sex, do you always use a condom? And then if you said no, I want to know why not. And that question is obviously geared towards someone who's, you know, single, because obviously married couples probably won't use condoms. But I definitely want to know if you're single and you do you always use a condom when you have sex? And then my last question is, do you get tested yearly? And if you answered no, why the hell not? (laughs) Why not? You know, as a woman, I go to see my gynecologist once or twice a year, depending on if I'm on birth control. I feel like when I'm on birth control, they require me to go twice. But when I wasn't, I would just have to go once. But I go to my gynecologist once or twice a year. And of course, when I go, they're doing a full-on pelvic exam and they're checking me for sexually transmitted diseases. I'm getting a breast exam and they're you know, feeling in my cervix and whatnot to make sure that everything's right. And so I'm getting tested. And when I was in high school, I did get tested for HIV AIDS. So For me, when I hear people don't get tested, if they could possibly have come in contact with HIV or if they've been exposed to sexually transmitted diseases, it just always baffles me because our sexual health is so important. And, you know, in the previous segment, when I talked about wanting to have the conversation with my children, I want to have this conversation with them, too, about exposure to diseases as they would learn in school and how to prevent those diseases and also the implications and effects of having contracted those diseases. And so, you know, I want to encourage all of you to get well with me. And in an effort to do that, I would suggest that you go get tested. 
if you are a man and you have not gotten tested for an STD this year, it's time that you go and get tested. The year is almost over. And same thing for women. If you've not been to your gynecologist to get tested for STDs and you have been you know, sleeping with people unprotected, then you need to go get tested. It's very important that you get tested so you can find out your sexual history. I believe, for example, chlamydia is like the highest spread STD to people. And You know, I know a lot of people that have come in contact with chlamydia, myself included. I remember being in college and finding out that I had chlamydia. And that's how I knew that my boyfriend was cheating on me because where would I have gotten that from? You know, I had been tested before. It wasn't like I had never gotten tested. I had gotten tested before and I didn't have chlamydia. And then all of a sudden I did. And I also remember in high school contracting HPV, human papillomavirus, and Because I had contracted that, I was at risk for having difficulties with my fertility and my ability to be able to have children. And I had to have several biopsies on my cervix to see if areas on my cervix were cancerous or if they had HPV because we had done a couple procedures to try to get rid of it. And I can stand here today and say I no longer have HPV. It's totally gone. And I did have some complications in my pregnancy, which were probably due to the surgeries on my cervix. But I have, you know, an incompetent cervix that put me on bed rest for both of my pregnancies. So could you imagine if you were having unprotected sex with different people and you never get tested. You're coming in contact with chlamydia, which most women have no idea they even have. Other STDs such as human papillomavirus, which is what I told you I had, and gonorrhea, you know, crabs. There's so many that we come in contact with that we need to get tested for to make sure that we're not affecting our fertility or passing it on to other people. Herpes is a big one that gets passed around and you can't get rid of that. No medication can get rid of that. So I'm encouraging all of you to make sure you get tested and take your sexual health very seriously. If you are with a partner and you've not gotten tested and you don't know if they've gotten tested or you weren't there, you haven't seen the results, you need to wear a condom until the both of you can get together and get those tests done. It's safer, you know? And of course, HIV. HIV, you know, that's... Something that nobody wants to have to experience or find out that they have. And as scary as it is to get tested to see if you do have it, it's even scarier to be told you actually do have it. So go and get tested. Please go and get tested. Now let's get into my boss mom move segment where I share with you something that I've done as an entrepreneur that's supporting my business, helping my business grow, a business decision that I've made that is, you know, in a new direction or whatever have you. This is where I talk about me and my business, okay? So my boss mom move for this week would have to be my mugs are in. (laughs) So my mugs are in and I told you that I was looking to find a new mug. I believe I talked about this in episode 20, I think. I turned the no from the manufacturer into the yes, right? So I ordered the mugs and the mugs are in. And as I record this, the mugs are on their way. But by the time you hear this, the mugs will be in, okay? So you can get your Inhale Confidence Exhaled Out mug right now. Visit JanelleBStewart.com and you can get your mug. I'll put the link right in the description box below. And as always, if you're a podcast listener, you can save 20% on all orders on JanelleBStewart.com and you can save 20% off of the mug if you want to get it. I think it would be a great Christmas gift for yourself or for someone else or for both of you so that you can give yourself that inhale of confidence every single day when you're having your coffee, when you're having your tea, when you're having your hot cocoa because there's nothing better than a great big inhale of confidence and a great big exhale of doubt, honey. Yes. So the mugs are on sale. Please 
please get one. The mugs and all of the merchandise that I sell on JanelleBStewart.com supports this podcast, the workbook, the pen, the journal, the career journal. It all supports this podcast exclusively because this is something that I do that I'm passionate about and that I love. But at the end of the day, committing the time to create the podcast and getting these episodes out for you is actually work for me. So I do wish that you can support me. And the last roundup of mugs that I had, the last batch of mugs that I had sold out in I think two months earlier this year. So I would love for all of my mugs to sell out before Christmas. So please use my mug as a stocking stuffer. I typically ship out right away. Like if you put in an order now, I'm usually processing the orders immediately. And depending on where you're located, you'll get it the next day or you'll get it the day after that because I don't sit around and wait on the shipping. So let's get these mugs out. Definitely share your mug when you do get it. Share a photo with me, share a selfie with me, and I will share it on my Twitter and also on my Insta stories because I am super, 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 super excited about these mugs. And I'm very, very excited for you to have them because the mantra on these mugs is my favorite mantra. And I just feel like it's a very powerful and impactful message. And I want all of you to have it. So please support me, support this podcast by purchasing one of my Inhale Confidence and Exhale Doubt mugs today at JanelleBStewart.com. So let's get into my Money Moves segment. I don't dance now, I make money moves. Say I don't gotta dance, I make money moves. For today's Money Moves segment, I want to introduce you to a small business owner by the name Alicia Danglade. Alicia Danglade is actually the cousin of my husband. So she's my cousin-in-law and she created an online shop called The Indestructible Five. The Indestructible Five is a pioneer school supply and apparel line. They have notebooks, pens. I was on there the other day. There's a t-shirt and some other items that children can use. The collection was created as a tribute to all the special needs children of the world, something that they can look at and be proud of. The Indestructible Five represents five characters living with very different disabilities. You have Aliana. She has Down syndrome. There's Maya. She has multiple sclerosis. Tyson has leukemia. Kyrie has autism. And Sean has muscular dystrophy. But together, they are all indestructible. And I love the message of this brand and this collection because I was a special needs teacher. And I know the difficulties that go into raising children who have special needs But of course, the bullying and the meanness that goes on in the world when you're someone who has special needs, not everybody is taught to be kind or raised with manners and learn to respect one another. And so the Indestructible Five gives these children who have disabilities or special needs something that they can be proud of and that they see themselves in it to a certain degree, of course. And I love what she's doing. So I highly encourage you to support Alicia by purchasing something from the Indestructible 5 website. It'll be down in the description of this podcast. And this is an opportunity for you to teach your children about what it means to live in a world where people are different. You know, my children have asked me on so many occasions, why is that person in that chair, you know, looking at a wheelchair? And I've had to explain that there's varying reasons why someone can end up in a wheelchair or have to use a wheelchair. But all in all, you know, regardless of whatever it is I explain, what is important to me is that my children understand that there's nothing wrong with that person who is in a wheelchair. I remember reading this book called Beautiful to My Daughter, and there's characters in the book that are in a wheelchair. And I was able to show her that people who have disabilities are still able to do many of the same things we do. So kudos to you, Alicia, for creating the Indestructible Five. And I hope you all do support her in her business. And if you have a small business that you would love to see featured in an upcoming Money Move segment, please send me an email at podcast at JanelleBStewart.com and you may be featured in an upcoming Money Move segment. 
Now it's time for my listener shout out. Every single episode, I really enjoy taking the time to thank you. Yes, you, you listeners who are tuning in. I can't thank you enough, but I also like to give a little extra special attention to the people who go a step further and leave me a review on iTunes or leave me a review in the comments of the episode on SoundCloud. And if you would like to leave me a review and you're on iTunes, all you have to do is go to my podcast podcast station. And if you're listening, you probably are already there and then click on reviews and you can write a review. Please, please, please take the time to tell me what you think about the podcast and this episode. I love reading reviews of the episodes because it lets me know what you thought about it. And because iTunes only lets you leave one review, please make sure you make it good, honey. Okay. So the first review comes from Fourth times a charm. I really like that name. She rated the podcast five stars. Thank you. And she titled it Ratings. Enjoy your podcast. I had a difficult time figuring out how to rate your podcast via my iPhone. I had to go watch a YouTube video on how to do it. I'm no tech whiz, but I manage. I don't know if you have addressed this already, but this may be the reason why you're not getting the ratings that you deserve. Aww. Well, I kind of sort of feel like I do have good ratings. I don't necessarily know if I can get more than a five, um, but possibly what you mean is I'm not getting as much ratings. I think right now, as I'm looking at my podcast episodes uh, or my podcast reviews, I have 85 reviews, but you don't have to leave a review to rate it. So, you know, I don't know, but thank you for letting me know that. I'm not sure if maybe the video you watched, you could share it with me and I could tell people this is how you leave a review. But I thought for the most part, that I've been able to find their area for the reviews very easily by looking directly for my podcast episode. I know if you're listening to an episode, you really cannot leave a review, but I feel like the iTunes podcast app on the phone has made it a lot easier because if you scroll all the way to the bottom, then you can see the reviews. But I don't know, at the time that this rating came in, it was earlier this year. So things have definitely changed in terms of like leaving a review. But if anyone is having difficulty finding out how to leave a review for my podcast or any podcast, please let me know. I'll help you out because I want a review from you, honey. I will help you out, okay? The next review comes from, um, yeah, maybe. (laughs) I love that name. She rated the podcast five stars. Thank you, thank you. And she said, another good one, exclamation point, exclamation point exclamation point. Okay. Once again, she is dropping great info. As women, we put ourselves off so much. It's time to get back to us. I needed this. And I'm going to assume that my love is referring to episode 18, which is called Put You at the Top of Your To-Do List. If you missed that episode, do check it out because I give you some good pointers on why you need to be the number one on your to-do list even though you have other priorities. The third review I'm going to read today is by Noche to Dia. Put you at the top of you. And she rated this podcast five stars. Yeah, thank you. As always, your podcasts come right on time. Great advice and suggestions. I too have scheduled into my calendar, my workouts, reading and hair salon. As a mom, these areas are just so easily overlooked. And with the day-to-day schedule, keep up the good work and keep the podcast coming. You were missed. Well, I'm so happy that I was missed. I really, really appreciate you for that. And yeah, you have to put you at the top of your to-do list. And she's also commenting in regard to episode 18. And the last podcast that I'm going to read for today is by Profection 2010. She rated the podcast five stars, titled it Fair Fighting. I really enjoyed this podcast. As always, Janelle hits the nail on the head. I'm three years into my marriage. And if you ask my husband to describe me in one word, he would say elephant. I remember everything. Thank you for the reminder to let that ish go. Yes, girl. (laughs) Yes, girl. You got to let things go and you cannot bring everything up in every new conversation. And my love is reviewing episode number two which is called Fair Fighting in Your Marriage. So thank you so much to everyone who left me a review. I have a goal of getting at least one review 
every single day. So please do me the favor and do me the honor of being today's review and go right to iTunes and leave me a review or a rating. And I don't have many reviews left. I believe I only have one, two, three. I only have three reviews to read. So if you would like to be featured in an upcoming podcast episode, I would love for you to leave me a review and I will read your review. And I do know that iTunes gives very unique usernames. So for example, my username is Janelle B. Stewart. However, when I leave reviews, it doesn't say that. It says like non-game user for some reason. So if you would like your name to be included in the review, then please actually type your name in the review, you know, like love Janelle or from Janelle, sincerely Janelle, whatever you'd like to be referred to as. So at least that way, you may not even know what your comment was left as on my podcast. And then you won't even know that I'm reading your review. So yes, I only have four more and I need for you to send me in more reviews. Please leave me more reviews. They do help the podcast. The ratings and the reviews help the podcast tremendously to get noticed and to get on the new and noteworthy board. I don't even know if I'm even eligible for that anymore because my podcast has been out for a year, but it does help me in getting the word out about my podcast. And of course, you can help and support this podcast even if you're not able to leave a review or if you already did by just sharing this podcast with others. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody for tuning in today. It has been an amazing, amazing day and this podcast was so much fun to record. I do hope that you found the podcast helpful today. I've asked you already to share your feedback with me. I hope you do. Don't forget, share this episode. You can do so by sharing it on Twitter. You can share it on Instagram. Take a picture of the podcast episode screenshot and then put that in your Insta stories. You can obviously share the episode directly on Facebook And, you know, if there's anyone you think that this episode would be helpful to, you can share it with them directly. Send them an email, shoot them a text, whatever it may be. And I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite quotes so that way you can have an amazing, amazing week. And I want you to tell yourself this all the time, every single time you're feeling like something is holding you back or like you're in living in fear of some kind. And that quote is, inhale confidence and exhale doubt. I hope you have a great week. And as always, I love you for listening. Bye.